This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. Call 800-605-5370. 800-605-5370. Call 800-605-5370. Small Biz. Small Biz America. And welcome to Small Biz America. I am David Wolf. Here on the Biz Talk Radio Network. Hope you had a great week in your business. By the way, if your small business is in need of capital, we can help. Please visit us at smallbizamerica.com and click on business finance in the navigation. You'll find a short contact form to get the process rolling. We've got capital for you at Small Biz America. Also, if you'd like to host your own radio show and podcast on the Biz Talk Radio Network, we've got a wonderful package, a new offering going out, and uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. You can contact me through our website at www.smallbizamericaradio.com. This week on the show, Dmitria, let me try this name again, Dmitri Shabatarev. Shabatarev, I'm still rehearsing. He's got some insights on real estate investment. Melanie Rembrandt, who's a uh, recurring guest, will have an extended segment with us on blogging and how to optimize blogs. Uh, Gabe Arnold on the Small Biz Brain, as always. Up front is Jay Bear. Jay is a uh, New York Times bestselling author. His newest book, Hug Your Haters, focuses on how, where, and why people complain about the service they receive. Of course, that's customer service we're talking about. Recently reported, there is a rise in online complaints, and the book argues that the business mindset to, quote, pick and choose as to when you should respond to customer criticism is a very costly mistake for business owners. He joins us on the line to share his insights, and uh, we'll talk about the book as well. Jay, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. It's an important topic, right? Everybody takes customer service for granted. It's a very important to- topic, and full disclosure, my son works for uh, in management at a uh, prominent call center, and uh, so I hear a lot about this uh, because it's an inbound center. But when you talk about, uh, Jay Bear, you talk about uh, customer service being a spectator sport, what exactly do you mean? Well, if you think about where we've come from, in a customer service environment. It used to be mostly a call center uh, as well as email. Most customer contacts were, have been historically in private, either face-to-face, you, you want, I want to talk to a manager and you're standing at the front desk, uh, right. via phone, via email, or, or, or through a complaint letter. Like it wasn't that long ago, right? People used to actually put a stamp on it and say, I'm going to send you a letter to express my displeasure. That doesn't happen much anymore. What right. happens now increasingly is that customers interact with businesses in full view of other customers, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, discussion boards, review sites like Yelp, TripAdvisor, Google, and then all the tons and tons and tons of vertically specific review sites out there, whether it's apartmentratings.com for apartments or uh, there's one I talk about in the book called Real Self, which is a rating site for for plastic surgery. So you can give one to five stars to your recent butt lift. Uh, People's 
thoughts about businesses are now out there in public. So not only is, is customer service now a spectator sport in many cases, it's also the new marketing. Absolutely. This is transparency at its best. Um, and uh, now that uh, everyone has a voice that can be discovered very easily, hence the word spectator, it makes totally sense. So I'm guessing that the book and you talk about the decision to address complaints and how to do that. So talk us through how you like to think about uh, the addressing of complaints from the standpoint of a business owner. Well, the hard part is because customer contacts have shifted online, most businesses are not ready to put that into their operations. In fact, the research that I did for the book found that approximately one-third of customer complaints are never answered, never answered. And, and of course, no response is a response. It's interpreted as a response that says, we don't care about you at all as a customer. And what lots of businesses do, both large and small, they say, you know what, we don't have enough people, we don't have enough time, we don't have the right systems to, to interact with customers on Twitter in the same way that we interact with customers on the phone. The problem with that is increasingly customers prefer to interact with businesses on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Uh, and we have to start to think about, well, how can we interact with customers in the places that customers prefer instead of the places of the business's convenience? And so the core advice in the book is to answer every complaint in every channel every time every complaint, every channel, every time, instead of what we typically do in business today, which is to answer some complaints some of the time in the channels that we like best. Right. Your own preferences rather than a, con a customer-centric perspective, exactly. which seems to have translated to so much about business, the customer's POV, if you will. What's fascinating about all of this is you could argue that rather than spending energy, time, money, and effort on marketing, doesn't this actually become... The, the most measurable and effective marketing campaign a business can do on some level? Well, that's certainly what I would argue, that, that what smart businesses do is they focus on keeping their customers as opposed to trying to always get new customers and fill that metaphorical leaky bucket that we talk about in business. Right. So often. The uh, retention idea. Right. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. Every, step in. Yeah. Everybody knows. Like every single person listening right now knows that it makes sense to say, I want to keep my customers. But... David, we don't actually run businesses that way. If you look at how revenues are directed in companies, each year globally it's about 500 or $600 billion a year are spent on marketing, and about $9 billion are spent on customer service. Unbelievable. Now, that tells you all you need to know about where our actual areas of emphasis are. I mean, how many people out there have an MBA in sales and marketing? Lots. How many people have an MBA in customer service and customer retention? None, right? We talk about, about growth hackers, right? The growth hacker marketing craze, right? Yeah. Lots of people call themselves growth hackers now. Nobody calls themselves a retention hacker, and they should because it's important, and we don't put enough emphasis on it. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. If you can keep a customer, it is worth more to you than getting a customer because that customer, if they're satisfied, is likely to tell other people, and therefore they're doing your marketing for you. 
and you know this, one of the, and I mentioned, uh, you know, my son involved in management at a prominent international call center. I mean, they have completely made a business out of doing this for their clients. They are an outsourced center for major, major brands. And when I hear him talk about the various layers, I mean, there's a whole department that's called retention, right? So they've really looked at the science of all this. And I'm guessing this is this is the world you live in, in terms of advising and in terms of, of course, writing a book. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. Of course, it's called Hug Your Haters. <laughs> Love that. Uh, but I want to ask a question maybe before we go there. Is there ever an instance where you would recommend that a business not actually talk to a customer who has complained? The only time that I recommend that you never say anything is if it is clearly uh, you know, in, a, in a context that is perhaps illegal, right? So when people okay. make threats, when they, when they do the kind of things you're like, you know what, we might want to call law enforcement – at that point, you document and, and you ignore and you actually call law enforcement. But, in fact, I've got a chapter in the book about, about trolls. I call them the crazies in the book, but, but a lot of people will call them trolls in popular parlance, the people who just you know, say outrageous things on your Facebook page just because it's you know, their own personal enjoyment. Very few people actually respond to those individuals, but I think you absolutely should because when you do, when you fight crazy with logic, uh, it tends to prevent the next person from doing that because they realize they can't. They can't get any satisfaction. They can't get your goat. Now, what you don't do is, is get into this crazy uh, tit-for-tat with people, and, and that's the biggest mistake that most businesses make when they do try to answer customers online is they, they tend to get really defensive, and they get into back and forth. And so one of my, one of my favorite pieces of advice in the book is, is my rule of reply only twice, which says that you never, ever, ever, ever under any circumstances, good or bad, reply to a customer more than twice in public online because it's either counterproductive or it's a waste of time. Right. You're looking for some type of a resolution, I guess. And if you can't get there in two rounds, chances are it's really a, a lose-lose scenario. Be at that point, right? if you, yeah, exactly. Them, if you say, hey, we're sorry, and then you said, and hey, you know what, we should talk about this on the phone or whatever, and, and they still are just, you know, and they're still unhappy and upset, they don't actually want to be helped, clearly. They just want to vent. And so you should just let them. Isn't it true that, that businesses should use, perhaps in, in the case of the worst customer or anywhere on the spectrum of a customer complaint, isn't it data that they can use to do what they do better? Oh, no question. I, let me say it this way. The most overrated thing in business is praise. Praise is totally <laughs> overrated. Because every time somebody says, oh, you're so great at this, you're so great at that, I love the show, whatever, it makes you feel terrific, but it doesn't teach you anything because we exactly. almost always already know what we're good at. What makes exactly. us better businesses, what makes us better business people, which makes us better human beings, is negative feedback and criticism. So if you want to be a better company, you want to know when people are less than 100% satisfied, but yet, partially because it's psychology, lots of businesses purposely inspect strategically uh, do not answer complaints and don't even pay attention to them. I mean, I've got some friends of mine who own small businesses, uh, restaurants and things like that, and, yeah. and uh, you know, they, they say, well, we just don't pay attention to Yelp. We just don't like it. I'm like, well, what, you, what do you mean? We just, you know, we, we don't like it. And I'm like, well, here's people saying, you know, they love you, or here's something that could have been better, and, and you just are not going to take that information and do anything with it. It's, it's crazy to me. Right. It's free customer uh, service intelligence or competitive intelligence even about how you can do things better. If you're just joining us, we're visiting with Jay Bear. He's the author of Hug Your Haters, the website www.jbear, and that's B-A-E-R.com. 
Uh, Jay, congratulations on the book. I'm imagining it's available just about anywhere and everywhere. i got about 10 seconds. All the ways and places the books are available, including an audio book read by me. Beautiful. Read by you. We'll do it again. Jay Bear. JayBear.com. Up next, we've got a commercial real estate investment expert. Don't go away. It's 17 past the hour. For me, it was the big S class from the 90s. Beautiful. My friend's dad had one. The SL. All of the SLs. I've been watching those since I was a kid. I think the 1971 SE was the first Mercedes that just blew me away. Everyone remembers the first time they saw one and the day they began to long for a Mercedes-Benz of their own. Well, that day may be a lot closer than you think. With a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz, you can experience the luxury and safety Mercedes-Benz is famous for at a price you can afford. Beautiful SUVs, sedans, coupes, and convertibles that are factory certified and covered by an unlimited mileage warranty for up to three years, so you can drive without a worry for as far as you like. And during the certified pre-owned sales event, now through August 31st, you can receive two years of complimentary prepaid maintenance and 0.99% APR financing on select models available through Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. You've waited long enough. See your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer for complete details and limitations on certified pre-owned warranties. APR offer available only to qualified customers. Call 1-800-FOR-MERCEDES for details about costs and terms. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand, call Consolidated Credit now. If you're making the minimum payments, but your balance is just not going down, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it will take years to get out of debt, call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 5 million people with credit card debt. They can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. If you're struggling with credit card debt, the first step is yours. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-463-1749. 800-463-1749. That's 800-463-1749. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated, 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Not a loan company. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services or by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM19, Oregon DM80031. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation Commission. License number DC32. Has your life changed? Are you now in a situation where you need health insurance? Here's some simple advice. Call our health insurance hotline right now. This free service will do all the work for you. Shop the health insurance marketplace and find the plan that best meets your health insurance needs. Don't get lost searching for plans on your own. Let a licensed agent help you for free. According to a report on CNN Money, Almost half of those eligible for subsidies are paying less than $3 a day for bronze or silver plans. Remember, under Obamacare, most Americans qualify for health insurance. So get ready to let us do all the work for you and find out the best health insurance plan for your needs. Call this number now. 800-659-7975. 800-659-7975. For your free health insurance quote, call now. 800-659-7975. 800-659-7975. Are you ready to leave your corporate job behind and be your own boss? Have you ever dreamed of owning a business? Do you have $50,000 or more sitting around in a 401k? If you answered yes, it's time to invest in yourself by buying or starting a business or franchise. IRS code allows you to use money in a 401k to invest in a business with absolutely no penalties or taxes. At Guided Financial, we've helped more than 11,000 entrepreneurs invest $3 billion in retirement assets into the small businesses and franchises of their dreams. 
So if you've got $50,000 or more in a 401k and you're looking for a way to start a business, call Guidant Financial now for free information and to learn more. Operators are standing by for your call. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. BizTalkRadio.com. Small Biz America. He's an expert in commercial real estate investment, creative financing, negotiations, acquisitions, and business development. At Oxford, at Oxford Investment Partners, Dmitry Chabotarev leads the team in sales, marketing, finance, investor relations, and drives their business development. And when it comes to starting a business, he says, build a team around yourself of people who are a lot smarter than you. And then he adds, if you're the smartest guy in the room, it's probably the wrong way to do it. Dimitri, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Fascinating subject uh, that you work in. Talk to us a little bit to lay the groundwork uh, for our time together. What types of business transactions or activities is Oxford Partners currently engaged in? What types of deals do you see? So Oxford has uh, three different uh, investment models that we follow. So the first model would be private projects, which I would classify as individualized deals, uh, where it's a single asset, whether it's a, a value-add retail center that we're fixing up and then selling or uh, ground-up construction. That's in a single LLC where we put in a certain amount of funds and then we raise funds from investors. Uh, we also have a fund structure where we currently have a $25 million fund that we place. That's more of an institutionalized model uh, where an investor invests in uh, a specific type of project, and then we place those funds uh, specifically giving a certain preferred return. And then we also do asset management where uh, we, we have a lot of assets that we currently own and we're the ones who actually manage those assets and manage all the property managers of those assets. Excellent. So that's, Dimit- well, that's what Oxford does in a nutshell. Excellent. That's perfect. And and are most of your uh, – well, what sectors are you involved in? Is it office, resident – well, it wouldn't be residential perhaps unless it's multifamily, but I'll just ask the open question for you. What's, uh, what types of assets are you uh, involved with in each case? So we do we, – we're across several different – asset classes. Um, Mm -hmm. Earlier in the cycle, we were doing a lot more multifamily. Now we're not touching any multifamily because it's just a bought-up asset class. Sure. We've been focusing on value-add and ground-up development in the retail space. Uh, We've also done a lot of industrial land in the Vegas market because that particular sector has been doing very well. And then we're also doing, for our fund structure, a hospitality to medical hospitality conversion model. Interesting. And what we're doing with that is actually extremely interesting. We're essentially combining real estate and healthcare with uh, converting uh, non-performing or poorly performing hotels into things like rehabs, uh, assisted living, senior care, memory care, 
post-surgery treatment facilities, things of that nature. That sounds like a brilliant uh, reallocation of those resources. Be just, I mean, if you think hotels and hospitality, uh, the structure of those uh, or the infrastructure and the structure just seems perfect for what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to share, you know, our audience is really, uh, we're entrepreneurs, we're small business owners, we're mid-stage, mid-sized businesses. You have some ideas about equity, uh, capital formation that you'd, I'd like you to share, I'd like to talk to in the four, four, or four or so minutes we've got left together. Um, you have said that uh, when it comes to equity, make sure your investors get paid before you do. And a lot of these ideas, folks, of course, apply to any business, not just real estate. But I, I like to think that foundation, the foundation of real estate is a wonderful uh, metaphor for any business uh, when it comes to capital. So if you will uh, talk about investors getting paid first. So the essentially what we're talking about is the waterfall structure on the back end of a deal. The way that I like to structure my deals, uh, which translates in both individualized deals and our fund, uh, the first position is principal repayment. So essentially everybody gets the money that they put into the deal back first and foremost. Then usually will come a preferred return, and that will go to investors. So before, before you get your you know, management fees as a developer or as a manager, you want to make sure that your investors get a certain percentage return so that, I mean, frankly, they'll keep reinvesting with you and they'll be happy and you form long-lasting partnerships. Absolutely. So, you know, a general structure would be an 8% preferred return. Then, usually in a fund structure, you'll have what's called the GP catch-up, which will be um, a certain percentage of whatever that preferred return is that you will then get as a, as a general partner, which would be the manager. So let's say that GP catch-up is 20%. It would be 20% of whatever that 8% preferred return is. So sure. let's say the 8% preferred return to investors is a million dollars. The GP catch-up would be 200000 just as an example. Sure. Then after the GP catch-up comes your, your big profit split, the net profit split, which – uh, would be, let's say it's 80-20. Uh, so 80% would go to investors, equity investors in the fund. 20% would go to the manager as a management fee. So you can see that the last thing to really come in is the management fee, and as it should be. You know, investors get paid first. Investors are happy. You've performed to exactly where you said you were going to perform or overperformed, hopefully. And then you get your management fee, and everybody's happy. But if you underperform, then it gets taken out of your management fee as opposed to the investor's return. Makes perfect sense. And you could really argue that your investor is your customer or one of several in this uh, array that you're describing, these relationships that you uh, construct Capital formation, I mean, there's, we could do several shows on it, uh, but you have some ideas about how we can understand as business owners the, the, quote, capital stack, the structure of capital. Talk a little bit about how you like to think about it. i got about a minute and a half. So the capital stack is, I'll, I'll brush through it very quickly. Yeah, sorry. It's talking about the cost, the, the cost of the capital. So, I mean, there, there's, preferred, there's preferred capital, there's mezzanine capital, 
I'm not going to really get into that because it's far too complicated. But essentially, if you look at it from debt and equity, debt is cheaper, quote-unquote cheaper, than equity because you're essentially taking on more risk. So when you take on equity, which is essentially cash, you're selling off, if it's a business, you're selling off more of your business. If it's a real estate investment, instead of paying back an interest rate, you're actually giving that investor part of the deal. However, when you use all equity, you're safer because the partner that's coming in is, is part of the deal. So the risk is, uh, the risk is um, yes. separated between yes. partners. Yes, you're, you're... Debt, if you if you mess it up or if something happens in the deal, your lender, your debtor, can then take the asset from you. Exactly. And so it's a riskier form of capital. Fascinating stuff. We'll have to do more with Dmitry Chabadarev. I'm still working on your name. Sorry, sir. Uh, I'm used to one-syllable names like mine. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining right. us. The website is OxfordInvestmentPartners.com. Just like it sounds, Dimitri will do it again. Enjoy. Thank you. It's about 30 past the hour. Don't go anywhere. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. One quick 10-minute call could help you solve your student loan problems. So call right now. Not available in all states. Payments may vary based on income. 800-685-0129. 800-685-0129. That's 800-685-0129. Have you heard about BizTV? BizTV is the home for America's entrepreneurs, small businesses, and those who want to succeed in life. It's the only national television network committed to airing original, high-quality, educational, and inspirational programming about real business people. BizTV can provide the right kind of ideas, motivation, and education to help fuel the next generation of business owners. Visit BizTV.com and call your satellite or cable service provider to request BizTV. Say hello to John. John dreamed of building a successful business and retiring to an exotic island in the Caribbean. He dreamed about his sales soaring and all the money that would be flowing in. He dreamed of hiring a sales team and expanding his company. Well, sadly, that dream fell apart when his bank turned down his business loan. Now John is not dreaming about going to the Caribbean anymore. He's driving around in an old beat-up pickup truck. 
If you need money to grow your business to new heights so you can reach your dreams, don't let the bank hold you down. You need to call Merchant Advance Express today. We can help you get qualified for up to $250,000 to grow your business any way you want. Call now to learn more. Call 800-503-3735. 800-503-3735. That's 800-503-3735. Hi, I'm Joan London. If you're worried about your parent or loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call a place for mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. Finding an apartment that was on the courtyard with the view of the trees, the view of the ducks, the stream, the creek, all of that, that was what I needed. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. Here's the number. To speak to a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-506-0320. That's 800-506-0320. A place for mom is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. To speak to a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-506-0320. That's 800-506-0320. National funding group has just released 100 million dollars in easy access small business funding to businesses that gross at least one hundred thousand dollars a year you can have fast access up to five hundred thousand dollars in new business capital in as little as 48 hours think about the ways you could grow your business if you head up to a half a million dollar cash infusion Call a NFG funding expert now. The process is easy. It only takes about five minutes. Then our management-owned lending team looks at your application for a fast approval. You can get 100% funded in about two days. If you need up to $500,000 in working capital to run your business and you gross at least $100,000 a year, call NFG and apply today. 800-296-1564. 800-296-1564. That's 800-296-1564. BizTalkRadio.com Small Biz. Small Biz America. Author, content marketing strategist, and PR and SEO expert Melanie Rembrandt joins us for this segment. She's the founder of Rembrandt Communications and featured right here on PR and SEO Quick Tips. Melanie, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me on the program. Always great to have you. And I know we're going to talk in this segment about blogs. So many business owners, so many people have blogs that they publish on a regular basis. But you like to dig deeper into everything you do. Let's talk about blogs and, and what can make them more relevant, more effective, and, and whatever else you've got to share with us in terms of uh, making blogs work. 
Of course. Well, I know a lot of people think, oh, I've got to have a blog. All my competitors have a blog and I need one. And they just start writing. But you really have to look at the overall picture. What do you want your blogs to accomplish? And it should be part of your overall sales and marketing plan. Uh, So before you start writing, you really need to think about that. And there's a few things uh, that I like to keep in mind. Um, First of all, you know, what is the purpose? Are you just trying to provide value to your target market or do you want to talk about the benefits of your products and services so maybe people will be more aware of what you have to offer? Uh, You really need to think about that and how it fits in your overall sales plan and also the timing of that. So, you know, add it to an editorial calendar. What are you going to write about when? Um, Also, what do you want people to do when they read your blog? When they're done, is that it? Uh, You basically want to get them involved and send them to a landing page or more information to keep them on your site so that they can get the information they need and maybe share it with friends as well. Uh, So those are two of the key things. And then there are some other things, too, as far as using SEO uh, SEO keywords. Right, Uh, right. Obviously, you don't want to pack it with SEO keywords. The search engines hate that. And also, the blog will sound really strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, when you're writing so mechanically and just sort of revert, everything's engineered for key. Yeah. Right, right. But, you know, you do want to insert some words in your titles and subtitles that people might be looking for that have to do with your business and what you're selling. Right, right. um, Yeah. You know, when you're finished, too, the great thing about technology is you can track your blog to see how popular it was. Did people share it? Did, Did they really like what you had to say? If so, you want to write more about that topic. If they didn't like it so much, then you want to look at writing about other topics that they might be more interested in. And Right. You know, right. you want to make sure they know about your blog, too, after you write it. Are you sharing it on social media? Are you telling people about it via your newsletters and, and posts and what have you? I mean, you've got to promote your blog once it's out there and track it. And that way, if you have a plan, you write something pertinent, you track it, and you see what the results are, your blog will be much more effective. Well, I love this whole strategic approach, and I know that you've grown in that direction so much. I mean, really reverse engineering from what is the desired result of this blog. Uh, as you say, you know, many business owners just don't have the time to really think about a contextualization of what they're doing in their blog. And they, they do, like you say, they'll write off the cuff, uh, publish it just to get something out there. And I I can tell you that I've been guilty of same, Uh, you know, even with the podcasting stuff and the guests that I choose to have on my shows, uh, there does need to be this sort of background of what is it I want to do with, in my case, Small Biz America, or what is it I want to do with my business, and how can this blog help propel it, help be the fuel to that? The other thing that I love that you, you just said was that you can do what split testers do and actually start to look at the results of subject matter and then go the direction that the audience is telling you they they like, right? Exactly. I mean, you want to give your customers the information they're looking for and then they'll be more likely to to share right. it with others and 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 get more then you'll get more site visitors and and sales, etc. 
And I think a lot of people don't realize how valuable a blog can be and how it can give you a competitive edge. And if you actually take the time to write it, and if you don't, I mean, there's plenty of professional SEO copywriters out there who would be willing to write your, write your blog for you. Right. Uh, it can really make a difference with sales and your overall credibility out there online. Now, Rembrandt Communications does all this stuff. I'll plug you since you didn't plug yourself. The, uh, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Talk. Let's just talk a little bit about your services and sort of how you fold all this in for business owners because we have a lot of business owners listening, and uh, this could be very relevant and helpful to them. Well, I appreciate that. I am an SEO content marketing strategist. Basically, I look at the specific goals of each company and design a marketing program for them that includes all forms of content and what is specific to their needs, what will help them sell their products and service, stand out from the competition, etc. Because today, everything is combined. All your content works together, whether it's in a newsletter format, e-books, e-articles, blogs, social media, it all needs to work together for the best results. And yeah. that's what I help companies do. It almost sounds like you, you're a ballet uh, composer. You're really you're just leading the ballet, the dance of all these different content uh, generations that, that are distributed in various ways um, and helping to coordinate them. And, of course, the PR side is a sort of core to your business originally anyway, and I know it's evolved into uh, total content uh, solutions. Um, back to blogging uh, on the distribution side, and you did touch on this a bit, but let's just revisit it. So, so what are the different ways that you can not only distribute your blog, but also, um, uh, how do I want to say this? Well, there it is. What are the different ways you can distribute a blog? Well, there obviously there are a lot of distribution services out there, and you want to look very carefully at that. Uh, Specifically, look at your target market. Where are they? First of all, I would go with all your, your own tools, all your social media venues. Uh, maybe you send out an email saying, hey, I have a new blog posted. Uh, you can post it in your newsletter. All the ways, all of your various touch points with your customers. Also, if you have affiliates that you work with, let them know that you have a new blog and they can share it with their audiences. That's a great way to increase the level of people who see your blog. Yeah. So you really want to stop and think about it. What is the best way to get my news out there in the most credible way? Okay. Does distribution, I guess it would include, like if you have a newsletter, just simply linking people back to your website. I mean, that's the old way that I've done it over the years. Is, is there more to this? You mentioned it seems like there may be some more mechanisms well, if you wrote a really good blog, you want to give a little teaser of it, and to read more, they have to actually go to your site to read the rest of it. Right. And right. then you also want to make it very easy at the end for people to share it with others. You know, add a share component where they can share it via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. Uh, you just want to make sure all those tools are in place so that you get the most coverage possible. Because you're taking a lot of time and effort to write your content, you might as well get it out there so that people can actually read it. Right. Now, the work you do, you did mention that, you know, writing blogs strictly for keywords is not a good idea. So there's this really delicate balance, at least to me, to the layman who doesn't do this every day. So talk a little bit about the mechanics, uh, you know, without divulging industry secrets. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the, the mechanics of identifying keywords and, like, what's involved with, with getting this done. And for some, they may say, well, look, I'm not going to DIY this at all. I'm going to hire a Melanie to do this or her team. But Talk about what, what's involved to really get that balance right so it's not mechanical and it's, it does flow, but yet it still serves the search word strategy. 
Exactly. Well, it, first of all, you start with a lot of research. You're going to look at the industry your client is in, the competition, and just common sense words that people would use to look up your products and services. And you also can use some keyword research services to develop a list. And this list is ongoing. It's not you do it once and it's over with. You're constantly tweaking it and updating all right. it. All right. And then it takes a skilled writer to actually take those words and put them into the blog accordingly so that they have a good effect. And if it's done correctly, you can see your your blogs at the top of the search engines for those specific keywords. So uh, it does take some skill. It is something you can learn, but it does yeah. take some time and effort. But yeah. uh, you're right. It is a delicate balance. It, but when it comes right down to it, the search engines want quality content. That's what they're looking for. So if you stick to that, you'll be in good shape. And it seems that, that it's true that if you include too many keywords and stuff, as you say, stuff them in, there's this balance of how many, right? There's a ratio that Google looks for or any of the search engines look for. Is that correct? Well, not necessarily anymore. That used to be a big deal where you All had right. a percentage of keywords in there, but oh, now see. it's more about quality. I mean, their right. search engine algorithms are so advanced that they're looking at the content. So it, this right. is where it comes back to the fine balance of, you know, what am I talking about? What value am I providing? Is there anything else we should cover on blogs today? I think that's it. I, I think that people shouldn't get overwhelmed, but they should have a plan in place that they're not just wasting time writing when they could be writing something that actually equals sales and uh, more people coming to their site. Exactly. Don't just write for writer's sake. Melanie Rembrandt, Rembrandt Communications, the, the website, www.rembrandtwrites.com. Melanie, as always, will do it again, of course, here on Small Biz America. Listen for PR and SEO quick tips on our stream. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thanks so much, David. Take care. All right. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock bottom prices that could save you thousands. 
That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices, a 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for 129000 You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates Still at historic lows. You can't afford to wait. Call 800-605-5370. 800-605-5370. Call 800-605-5370. Here's George Foreman with InventHealth. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp has been helping inventors for more than 30 years and has sales offices nationwide. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. If you have an idea and want to try to patent it and submit it to companies, you should call InventHelp today for free free information. Listen, I can't guarantee a company will be interested in your idea, but I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-351-1453. That's 1-800-351-1453. Again, 1-800-351-1453. Has your life changed? Are you now in a situation where you need health insurance? Here's some simple advice. Call our health insurance hotline right now. This free service will do all the work for you. Shop the health insurance marketplace and find the plan that best meets your health insurance needs. Don't get lost searching for plans on your own. Let a licensed agent help you for free. According to a report on CNN Money, almost half of those eligible for subsidies are paying less than $3 a day for bronze or silver plans. Remember, under Obamacare, most Americans qualify for health insurance. So get ready to let us do all the work for you and find out the best health insurance plan for your needs. Call this number now. 800-659-7975. 800-659-7975. For your free health insurance quote, call now. 800-659-7975. 800-659-7975. Are you ready to leave your corporate job behind and be your own boss? Have you ever dreamed of owning a business? Do you have $50,000 or more sitting around in a 401k? If you answered yes, it's time to invest in yourself by buying or starting a business or franchise. IRS code allows you to use money in a 401k to invest in a business with absolutely no penalties or taxes. At Guided Financial, we've helped more than 11,000 entrepreneurs invest $3 billion in retirement assets into the small businesses and franchises of their dreams. So if you've got $50,000 or more in a 401k and you're looking for a way to start a business, call Guidant Financial now for free information and to learn more. Operators are standing by for your call. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. BizTalkRadio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz. 
Bob is America. The brain. He's the founder of CopywriterToday.net, an expert in email marketing automation, sales, and marketing. And, of course, he's the recurring guest here on The Small Biz Brain, Gabe Arnold. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. So you have some interesting talking points that you sent me just uh, before our record time today. Uh, I'm just going to toss it to you. This sounds like a what they call in the radio business uh, a monologue. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was thinking about today uh, just the importance of always being flexible and having a, a plan B and, and plan C, um, just because, you know, things like this have happened to me many times. But yesterday I was running a huge email campaign um, to about 65,000 contacts, and in the middle, wow. my one of my email server providers said, hey, we can't run this campaign anymore. Um, which is pretty wow has happened to me before. <laughs> um, but it's always, so what happens in that? Without getting into the details, I'm sorry. You probably were just I didn't mean to step on you, but I was going to ask the question. You were probably answering. What what happens when an email? I mean, is it the content of the email, or is it just too much, or what what happens there? There's so there's so many things that can affect that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, you know, one of them is like if your just volume of sending goes up a lot, then that makes email providers nervous. If you get mm -hmm a few too many people unsubscribing, if you get some, you know, incorrect spam complaints, people forget that they subscribe to you and rather than well, clicking the unsubscribe link, they just click the spam link. Um, it happens every day mm -hmm. in campaigns, but okay. sometimes when you hit a large volume of, you know, or have a large project or have a lot of growth in, in a campaign or a list, then it can just, just catch you off guard. So it made me, made me think of kind of what I wanted to share today because um, it's, you know, things like this happen in business all the time. And even though it throws you off, you know, your ability to, you know, change course or adjust or adapt is what's important. Um, and I remember it's probably been five or six years or maybe even more now. Um, I was sitting down asking some advice from a business owner who had built and sold three multi-million dollar companies before he was 50, um, which, you know, I was super impressed by that, and sure. he told me a couple of things. But one of the things that he told me that really stuck with me was he's like, he's like, at minimum, you always have to have a plan B and plan C, <laughs> um, because so always have two always backup breaks. plans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's like, he's like, that's probably, he's like, that may not even be enough. He's like, but at least have those two, you know, backup plans in place. Because he said, he said, plan A will never work. Like, you know, he was, he was, you know, not trying to be pessimistic about it, but just be realistic and say like you may not um you may not realize it but something's going to come up or something's going to change or products change or labor forces change unexpected things sure. happen um and you know he really you know just share with me is like my ability to you know my my success comes from my ability to be flexible and change course and you know pivot when something doesn't work out as planned that's um, interesting he actually attributed his own success to that flexibility that adaptability and, uh, you know, they say that about business plans, too. Of course, they are moving uh, organisms, living, breathing organisms that are constantly changing and adapting and planning, projecting, planning, projecting, right? So uh, this is, yeah. a, no, it's a fascinating um, state of mind for a business owner to be in when in a world where it's easy to get attached to one way of doing it, right? Yeah, that's the other part of it that's important. Not only do you have to have the plan 
or the ability to adjust. You know, you have to have the secondary backup plans and then the ability to be flexible and adjust. But you have to step away from the plan A failing and and stop you know taking that personally and just be and realize, hey, this is business, and you have to have a level of mental toughness that you know says, okay, I can deal with anything that's thrown at me, and I can adjust and rebuild or reorganize or shift. Um, because if you let the initial shift in plans or that initial failure, I mean, that's honestly what plan A not working is, it's just failure. If you let that really get you down or bother you, then you're going to not, you're going to lose motivation. You're not going to be focused on the bigger goal and you're not going to be able to, to ride it out. Um, and that takes time to learn that. And it takes time to kind of develop that emotional intelligence and that, you know, toughness as yeah. well, because yeah. it's hard to watch things fall apart. <laughs> No, you know what? I was going to say the emotional, this is really largely so much of business is an emotional capacity. It's emotional conversation. And you pointed out emotional intelligence to be able to handle what you don't know that you don't know you don't know. And, uh, and part of what this guy, if you read, sort of listen between the lines, it's kind of like, that's what he was saying. I was emotionally prepared for the, for my original plan to totally not work, to totally tank so that I'd have the other ones available or, or derivations of them exactly. available as I go. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. We, we, yeah. I mean, we talk, as much as we talk yeah. about strategy and how to do things, it's really what are you going to do with what you don't know about that hits you? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's always the curveball. It's like everything's going perfect and then something shuts down on you or somebody pulls the plug on you. I mean, I, I have learned to always have a backup plan so that I can recover quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, we got about a minute left together, Gabe Arnold. Uh, CopywriterToday.net is the website. You talk also about um, creating a new idea, sort of the startup uh, level to all of this. Talk a little bit about your perspective on that. Yeah. The, um, when you're first starting out, it's the thing I always share with people that I've learned from other, other great entrepreneurs is validate your idea early. You know, mock up the idea, get the concept you know together quickly, and then go right to your marketplace and say, hey, Here's what we're going to build. Um, if you want to be an early adopter, you know, pay me the X dollars. You know, this is a third of what it'll cost you in the future. But you know, if you're if this makes sense, then get in early and prepay for it. Um, and when you pre-sell your ideas, you validate it that way, and you don't waste tons of time and money building a product that nobody wants to buy. So that's something I always encourage people to do is is pre-sell. You know, before they dive in too far. Yeah, that's also you've talked about that a lot, both in what you've written in the the podcast segments that we've done together over the years. And it's it's uh, something that people don't really weigh in on is is if you've got an idea rather than investing in creating the idea and manifesting it in the material form, find out what the market is saying about your idea and their interest in actually paying for it so that you can discover whether it's valid and let the market tell you rather than go through the, all the ramifications of investing uh, precious capital and time and energy only to find out that there is no market. Thomas Edison, again, comes to mind. Gabe Arnold, the small biz brain. It's great stuff. Thanks for uh, your contribution here on this show, Gabe. We appreciate you. Copywritertoday.net or 888-618-9123. Anything you could ever want to know or do for your small business in uh, marketing, email marketing, automation, uh, Gabe and his team can help you. That's our show for this week. You can listen to our archives on iTunes, Biz Talk Radio, Blog Talk Radio. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. We're just about anywhere we can be. Uh, really appreciate you as a listener. Reach out to me if you like. I'm at david at smallbizamerica.com. 
Uh, if you're looking for financing capital for your business, we have uh, a sister company that can help you. Uh, just go to smallbizamerica.com and click on business financing for that. We'll see you next week. Have a great week in your business. Signing off on the BizTalk Radio Network. The opinions you hear on BizTalk Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of this station, BizTalk Radio, its management, or advertisers. The information on BizTalk Radio does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. Please consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions about BizTalk Radio, contact us at 817-274-1609 or at biztalkradio.com. BizTalkRadio.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.